0: Welcome to New Persuasive Words, a podcast of hope-seeking understanding. You're invited to listen in to an ongoing conversation about theology, culture, and politics between your co-hosts, Scott Jones and Bill Bohr. Regardless of topic, Bill and Scott offer intelligent insights and critiques, sometimes funny, occasionally contentious, but always remaining friends. Now, here are Scott and Bill.
1: Welcome back to the show. This is episode two hundred thirty nine I'm Scott Jones and I'm
0: Bill Bohr. and we're back in the saddle on a Saturday. yes unfortunately, I where you were ill, you had some sort of hey, some kind of bug. pestilence and uh and I unfortunately was back for another family funeral in West Virginia so condoing thoughts and prayers for my cousin Doug and his dad Frank and um, their family. He lost. His son tragically in a car accident. Twenty six year old boy was killed in a motorcycle accident. Way too young, way too tragic. So anyway, that's where I was. Yeah, you've been traveling a lot. I've been i <laughs> I've been traveling. Been you you a have lot. been traveling a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I've blown up that lease. And so much has been going, going on in the country. Yeah, you no. Know, the country <laughs> speaking of blowing up the national lease. <laughs> Something just happened. I let me bring our comments
1: here. We're, we, if you're just listening for the first time, we stream this on Facebook Live, too. So we occasionally get comments from Facebook, like this one from Matthew Buccieri in New York City asking, where is my niece, Lily? Not here, Matthew, but yeah. thank you for your comment.
0: We appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Big he's like he's he's like he's like the old guys in The Muppet Show. He's up there in the corner. The Absolutely. Absolutely. Lily. Yeah. Yeah. Sue Joyner is watching from the Carolinas,
1: and I told her we'd be... She commented on a Facebook post I, I put up, which was tangentially related to current events. Are you,
0: putting, are you putting cat videos up on Facebook again? I
1: almost never put up cat videos. Dog, <laughs> other exotic dog, yeah, animals. You're a dog guy. I it. like
0: exotic animals, too. Elephants, apes. But, by the way, we should uh, revisit, was it episode two about the dogs? dogs? We, should. Yeah, we should revisit that.
1: So well, let's... so. Kavanaugh is confirmed now, right? Or with the vote was being I think the vote's later on today. Or the vote was going live I, I saw on Politico's website it's being live streamed uh on Politico's website. So I'm assuming it's happening happening as we speak. <laughs> I find it. Matthew Bucheri says from Facebook Live from New York that it. he's finished finished commenting. All right. Thank, thank you for it's, commenting. It's, yeah, that.
0: thank you for all those years. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So, we stopped our conversation on the phone today. Right. I said we should just talk about this in the podcast. We were talking about, first, we were talking about the fact that there's one, I was saying there's, I read an article in the New York Times, a trivia question, who who is the first justice to be appointed by a president who lost the popular vote and confirmed with senators who collectively had fewer votes. Than the senators who voted no, and that of course is
0: uh, Garland, Neil, Neil, no Gorsuch, Gorsuch, Gorsuch. Neil Gorsuch. Gorsuch, Gorsuch, right?
1: And yeah. and likely Kavanaugh, will, Kavanaugh will, be, will be the two. number, the second one. And, and yeah. we were saying that this is kind of this. We have this sort of. We're entering into a situation of possibly minority rule.
0: Well, I think we, I think, I think you, we already have it. I mean. Um, what there was somebody that showed they were talking the other day. I don't know what show it was on, but they had a picture of of um, the Clintons, Bill and Hillary, and Al Gore and his wife at that time. And they said, uh, <laughs> "What do three of those four people have in common?" Uh, they have you know, three of them all got uh, won a majority of a presidential election, but only two, only one got to serve. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah. true. I mean, we have to forget that, you know. Uh, Al Gore also had uh, won the popular vote. And um, what's really interesting, I think the intent of the Electoral College um, certainly was of a different ilk than how it's turned out. And I I think one of the things we were talking about... It
1: it actually was a buffer against populism. It was a a buffer against populism. And and it's kind of actually, it strangely promoted it. uh, Right now, I mean, the current
0: era. Yeah, I mean, and... uh, Part of what we were talking about because talking about minority rule is that, um, first of all, because of gerrymandering, um, and again, both political parties have done it. But because Republicans have had a majority of the state houses then the gerrymandering currently in this country is far – the Republicans are far more uh, the ones who've done it. And people are better at it. I mean,
1: it's interesting when they brought up the – this case in the Wisconsin issue before the Supreme court, when this is brought up, you know, Gorsuch was like, Oh, come on, social science. I mean, come on. How, how accurate is this? And I'm thinking you just, it's so accurate that they hire social scientists to come up with the models that do the gerrymandering. that's so damn effective. That's why it's, it's, uh, but yeah, I mean, and also the race based stuff. And it's, it's, so, I mean, we'd say a couple things of the minority rule situation are not, are just circumstantial, right? The, the founding of the country with senators and with the electoral college to to balance Brian, out Brian. more populated, less populated states. That's just going to happen. Republicans being astute about state houses and right. making a concerted effort to put a lot more time and energy there than the gerrymandering, which yeah. which is sort of comes from the from, control from, from, of, the of the state, state house and then self sorting. Yeah. you know, reinforces some of that. So so some of that stuff is not intentional. Some of it's intentional. And we have this sort of situation where we do have, you know, it's it's almost like like Iraq where you have this minority that rules over the majority. Right.
0: No, it's, it is. And I think that that has um, that has some strong implications, I think, for um, – it's, it's one of the other things that are kind of um, undermining, I think, trusted democratic institutions.
1: Yeah. I mean there is this kind of cynicism about
0: the process. So. Yeah. Now, again um, – Democracy has some really inherent problems with it. I think that's, you know, uh, it was interesting. I was listening to a British podcast on uh, on Dietrich Bonhoeffer, which was very, was it's an interesting. It's on uh, one of those BBC uh, shows, In Our Time. It's a really interesting podcast, BBC In Our Time. And uh, they had English scholars talking about Bonhoeffer, which, <laughs> which is interesting having them talk about it as opposed to if you had a group of an American. Yeah. An American or uh, German scholars. German scholars, right. Um, but one of the things they said now again, I don't know enough about his political thought um, to know if this is true or not. But Bonhoeffer did not envision democracy after the war. He just didn't think the Germans could handle it, which, which is pretty, I, I I have heard that. Yeah, yeah. it's very interesting. Well, and um, I don't know if you do some, you know, if you if you do much study about the interwar period between World War One and World War Two, um. People who are twentieth century historians are some of the people who are most nervous about right now. Because after the great experiment of democracy, uh and the kind of the in the chaos after World War One uh really created some uh, it was part of how fascism 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 got voted in and, and took over political parties, uh, you know, namely you know, we know Italy, but Germany and Spain as well. Of course, Spain there was a civil war to do that. And part of that whole thing about with uh, – it was a different kind of nationalism. Uh, it was a nationalism that was, was reacting to the collapse of empires. But I think, you know, the the nationalistic impulse uh, – I mean, I, I think Trump's – you know, because we, we got – you know, Trump's speech at the United Nations was horrific. Uh, you know, we didn't listen to the content of it because, you know, it's kind of hard to listen. I don't
1: believe – and globalism, I believe in patriotism. patriotism. what
0: even is that? I mean, what does it Steve, mean? To-
1: Stephen Colbert was like, that's like going to your friends wedding toast saying, I don't believe in monogamy, but I'm glad it works. So I hope it works out for you too. And Peggy, if it doesn't, Give me a call. <laughs> yeah, my number. I mean, it's kind of yeah. It, it was it's just a it
0: was insane. It was it was a, it was embarrassing. And uh, if I still got embarrassed about our country, I would be embarrassed by that. But I'm kind of over that right now. It's I, my embarrassment uh, threshold has been has been long past. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's been a while. He, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wait, come on. I, no, I said I'm no longer anymore. It's it's all done. I'm, I'm shamed out. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Shame, shame. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but I do, um, but I, I think, so for instance, you know, you have a, you probably are end up with a Supreme Court that is not really probably representative of where the majority of Americans are.
1: It's interesting because it's like an, inver- we might have talked about this a couple weeks ago, but I mean, when uh, this professor I haven't given take from Messiah college in his book about evangelicalism and, and, and Trump, he points out how like in the fifties, America was very kind of God and country, civil religion. There's all these like prayer and school movements, Bible reading and school. At the same time, the court is very liberal, right? And, and it's striking some of this down in the 50s, 60s. And so you had this real tension of a sort of conservative, civil religious culture in the, in the wake of communism. And now we've got the inverse. You've got a kind of a probably more liberalizing culture with a conservative court. And you know, so you have the, the, the you know, and, and that sort of conservative liberal court created a backlash you know which yeah. which helped which helped to sort of inspire the movement to get conservative justices yeah. right especially Republicans were tired of sort of hitting and hoping and getting judges that were not reliably predictably conservative you know when they got on the bench and so the federalist Society and other things they've, they they this is the irony of like yeah, when you is, get yeah. when you get somebody up to the confirmation i'm i'm open minded you you never know how i'm going to judge. well not I mean, that's not why we have the system. <laughs> we have that so we'll know exactly how you rule
0: them. No, of stuff. and you know, I, and so I do think there's. And I'm
1: not saying that critically of conservatives. Like, I mean, conservatives were astute enough to do that. Say, hey, look, let's let's start they, they, a society. They, they, were, they did. They did. It was. Uh, this is important. So let's cro- let's groom a, you know a crop of intellectuals, who from which we can get great
0: you know good smart. Yeah, yeah. No, that that federal that, and Supreme Court justice. Yeah, I mean, some of the like,
1: the left, the left should do something like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, the money and the, but unfortunately, coupled with that was money, you know, all the all the money, the corrupt money in the in the and the political sphere. So I mean that, but again, just the fact that you're promoting your ideology, that sounds to me kind of American, that's okay, you know, and get if there's a free, if there's a fair playing field. Uh, the fact that, uh, that, you know, Obama's last judge was not given a hearing and that people actually think that's okay. I mean, we and I were talking about it. Totally constitutional. You know, yeah, there wasn't anything extra constitutional about it, but it was totally against the spirit of what the thing was supposed to be doing. So, I mean, and it's interesting. Like, let's say the
1: Democrats took the Senate in the fall. Right. Right. It would be constitutional for them to say, we're not confirming anybody until the next election like i mean th- th- there's nothing no it would be uncivil and awful and i think it would d- help destroy our democracy Well, and i
0: think it's exactly it, it, it would be the complete it's comp- we're almost we might be there already that the total politi- the total political politicalization of the supreme court we might already be there and i think but this is where so much of democracy is not in rules you can't legislate no you can't you no. can't
1: legislate the kind of temperament and civility and virtues
0: it takes to run a democracy right you you you, you, the the procedural stuff is only part of it yeah i mean if parliamentary procedure becomes a weapon then you've already lost a bit i mean i think that's we we saw that happen in a a major denomination yeah exactly i mean uh, where it it stopped being about trying to to get along or trying to understand it became who could outmaneuver the other. robert's rules of order robert's rules of disorder yeah that's for sure you know, one of the other things I think we should also say— They used to
1: sell a T-shirt at Princeton Seminary. Presbyterians
0: do it decently and in order. <laughs> or, yeah, they also say you could buy a T-shirt. Baptists don't do it because it's too much like dancing.
1: <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so where do all the little Baptists come from? Exactly. I don't know. No. Storks. Uh, They steal them from other churches.
1: (laughs) I want to take a brief moment to ask you a quick question. Do you like this podcast? Do you enjoy it? Do you look forward to listening to it while you do a morning after your evening routine or while you're exercising or while you're caught frustrated in traffic? projects i've got in the works so i invite you to be a patron through patreon of this which i think is an art form you're enjoying and will continue to enjoy again any contribution is welcome but for five bucks a month you will get a shout out on the thank you roll call which begins right now thank you david babico ellis brazil david Zoll, sari graham Peter steigerwald samantha Blythe. David Norling, Charlotte Donlan, Barry Stewart, Larry Rule, Stephen Lipless, John Schneider, Ben Crosby, Liam O'Brien, Jim Kress, Stephen Rowe, Ben DeHart, Jordan Morseberger, Josh Redder, Jennifer Underwood, Kai Wippenig, Simone Garabedian, Jim Kirk, Samantha Konauer, and Jordan DeMaze. If you want to join these patrons through Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Scott Kent Jones. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the show.
0: But, um, no, I think in terms of... Um, and I think Susan Collins' thing ultimately was ridiculous. I think she took 45 minutes to. It was one 45 minute exercise in rationalization. <laughs> you right. yeah, I. I mean, I, I, it started out okay, but then it was so way too. I've been too going long. back and forth in my mind on that speech because
1: there is a lot of high-minded stuff in that speech. But as as John Meacham said, you know, I think that that the centrist Kavanaugh had more to do with her own way of seeing the world than it does with with, 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 with he Kavanaugh wrote. necessarily. Yeah, and also it, it's sort of like it's calling her. It's calling. I think it's her calling people to a a sort of different kind of politics that we're not in the midst of. So it's her sort of calling for a higher mindedness that we, with it's contextually, we're not at. So it's sort of
0: no. It was there's
1: just a lot of short circuiting.
0: I thought it was yeah. By the way. I have a newest response. Ask me if I'm a if I'm a reformed or Lutheran. Are you reformed or Lutheran? I'm a West Virginian. I like that. That's a mansion.
1: <laughs> yeah, the Joe Mansion.
0: Yeah, Joe Mansion. You have to share with the world my, your favorite quote about Joe Mansion.
1: Oh yeah, Joe is always Joe. Joe is definitely there for the Republicans as long as they don't need him. <laughs> like, like,
0: or not the not, Democrats. He's right, just, yeah.
1: Yeah, or yeah, they're Democrats. Yeah, He's yeah, always he, there. They, Joe's always there if you don't need him.
0: Yeah, if you didn't see it, someone asked him, "Well, what, what's your future?" Democratic Party. I'm a West Virginia boy. So, any from now on, if there's something, ask me. Hey, I'm a West Virginia. Ask me how I feel about Neo Anabaptism. I feel about Neo
1: Anabaptism.
0: I'm a West Virginia boy.
1: That's interesting. He's in a weird situation. He is in a weird situation. Because he's
0: popular in West Virginia. Well, yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, I mean, it's, no one's ever, no politician's ever popular in West Virginia. I, I, I can't, I, I, I would quote my grandfather. I will quote my grandfather. This is um, my one, young, early memory. Okay, so granddad's listening to the to the to the radio, and and Johnson's on. He goes that G D Johnson, that G D Johnson, G D Johnson. Okay, Nixon gets elected. You know, six months later, that G D Nixon, that G D Nixon. <laughs> Granddad, I said, I don't understand. You didn't like you didn't like the Democrats. He said, yeah, they're all G D liars. And I said, well, you know, you got a Republican. He's a G D liar too. <laughs> So that's West Virginia populism. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There we go. But until it's been, uh, until, you know, I don't know, something, it's unfortunate there's a there's a parallel between the opiate crisis and, and, and Trump's popularity in the state. I mean, it's just, uh, <laughs> I, you know, it just, there are great people who just vote for people who are not good for them. So, but Manchin, yeah, I mean, he has a lead. And I think uh, that was probably, um, you know, the politics of it, who knows what that was going on beside. But I, uh, yeah, it was not. It's not been one of America's greatest moments. And I think the other thing too is, and you know, you and I talked about this. You can't say this. You can't say I believe her, Doctor Ford, and I believe Capitol. You can't that. You can't say that. If you say, you can't say I believe in Doctor Ford, but I think Capitol's telling the truth. You you don't get to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, so I think in the Me Too movement, you, like you can't. Everyone's afraid to say I think there are holes in her story because that's. That's akin to saying, I don't believe her. And then, you. It, it, so you have this, people bet, even on Fox, I mean, uh, even right. on Fox News. I mean, it's,
0: it's we believe, but then, you know, there's her story, something happened kind of thing. But no, But if you say you believe Kavanaugh and you say you do not believe Dr. Ford, so you can't have it both ways. Now, the fact is, nobody knows definitively what happened there. And, and I would say, and I'm not even sure Kavanaugh knows definitively what happened. Yeah, right? I mean, I mean, that's my. I mean, I th- I think he she might have been caught in the devil's triangle. I don't know. <laughs> I think she told the truth, and I so beyond a reasonable doubt. So I think Kavanaugh was uh, lying, or he's convinced himself it didn't happen. So I believe that, but you can't. But you can't say I absolutely know because no, that's and it's interesting. Yeah, so you can't say that. So I, okay. So this is a good exercise
1: for anybody on on whatever side you're with this thing. So I. I find a good, so find somebody on the other side that you like and listen to their conversation. Yeah. So like the, yeah. so Fox news is not an example. If that I watch window. Fox news, yeah. it, it exacerbates it, it, I, it. I get smug and I get, you know, kind of more confident in my own sort of, uh, <laughs> we have one comment from New Jersey on Facebook that says Dr. Ford. knows." Well,
0: what I would say that like, the only people who actually know would be Dr. Ford or judge capital. That would be right. the only two, but the rest of us when they say, we know, we don't know right
1: yeah so we believe we don't know um, the commentary though is a very very intelligent kind of new york based conservative magazine you know john Pedorowitz who's on lots of media outlets is a sort of top, part of the commentary is by most, one of the funniest
0: things where they were talking about how much money trump's dad left to him you know, the other day on Morgan yeah. and Joe and Bedoritz was on there and, and Joe goes, and John's father left him all his sweaters. Have <laughs> <laughs> you never seen him? He wears terrible he sweaters. He wears terrible sweaters all the time.
1: So, but, you know, their discussion, their most recent podcast on the the Kavanaugh issues, issue was interesting. And I mean, there, it made me think on some things. I mean, they talked about somebody who had looked at Dr. Ford's, you know, they said that the, the Marital therapy conversation had come up in 2012, right? As a result of putting in right, a second right. front door. The well, they somebody just checked in Palo Alto on the area. There was no housing remodel permits, and there was one in 2008 for a side door, which for a therapist's office or something to come in. So right, so here, like, there's something that that the foundational to how this kind of came up, which there's seem seems to be some inconsistencies in that part of the story. Now again, I, that didn't make me think that her story was completely not credible but it, listening to these people who i thought reasonable intelligent who i disagree with i thought huh okay these are some things from it from a less amped up emotional yeah. context i'm like huh that's interesting and so I, I i mean i would like i would encourage people on on either side of the issue to try to listen to the most reasoned voices on the other side and 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 think of why they see it the way they do. Yeah, and I actually think a more thorough FBI. Invest- and full, full disclosure, I, w- I was not thrilled that Kavanaugh, you know, I mean, I, I was, I'm not a Kavanaugh fan, but it, it, but their discussion right. made it a more nuanced picture for me as to why somebody
0: who's, who would see, see it very differently than I do. Well, that's why I think the FBI should have been able to talk to both her and Kavanaugh. I think, based particularly based on, you know, I mean, the inconsistencies of Kavanaugh's testimony, the things that he was obviously lying about. Now, you may say they're, you know, the minor things that he's lying about, yearbook abbreviations and the drinking age in Maryland. First off, what faculty member edited that yearbook? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I
1: mean, like, that, I mean, today, if anybody that's listening, if you are a yearbook advisor, get the Urban Dictionary website and go through the year. Well, sometimes those prep, prep
0: schools are a little looser than the public school. You know? Yeah. yeah right. So, wow. but, no, but I, that's why I think, a, and what, part of what I want to say is if you believe, if you do not believe there was enough collaborating evidence to sustain uh, Dr. Ford's charge against Kavanaugh, I and mean, you have to, you, can, you have to say, um, you can say, you know, I, she seemed to believe what she was saying but there was not enough evidence to collaborate her charge. You can't say, I believe her. I mean, I understand why. But see, that's, to me, the emotional chargeness of this time we live in doesn't allow us to do that. And I, I think I think his, you know, and it, it was, he was playing, I told you this before it happened, he was going to play to an audience of one when he came out, you know, blazing that Thursday. But to become so partisan, again, I understand why he's upset. So the emotionalism... But to attack and you know to attack the senators, this disrespect to the uh, different senators, his talking as being some sort of revenge or con- left wing conspiracy. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, I, you know, I, I'm not, I don't have trouble with a really good legal mind who's a conservative, um, but I have trouble with that kind of mentality on the Supreme Court. And if that's and, and you could say it was pushed against the wall, pushed into a corner, but I think that was really problematic. But I also think that. How this got conflated? The fact is, if you disagree ideologically with the judge, and how that became conflated with the horrendous problem of sexual assault and violence against women in this country, I mean, it would—it was almost impossible for there to be a ra- reasonable, rational discussion. And I think, I think uh, there are there is blame to go on both sides, but uh, the cynicism of, of McConnell, uh, the adolescent, you know. Consistent adolescent behavior of the president does not does not help this thing at all. I lesson on a good day. On a good day, yeah. <laughs> on a good day. And I'm not sure yelling I'm not sure I think protest is good. I'm not sure uh ultimately uh you know, again, I, I go back and forth. I mean, I think protest a person gets to protest how they can if they need to legally unless, you know, the country's become a dictatorship and then you have to do it illegally. But I think I don't know. I I, I think it hasn't. I, I'm not sure everything has helped. I think take this anger and vote. That's what we need to do.
1: The guys on uh, or John Panhorowitz on this commentary podcast said that Trump. It, it, it's funny that he waited to attack Ford. He. It, it happened after the Florida race oh. was closed. It happened after Hyde Camp was down. He's like, he did it to distract from the story in the New York Times about his, about uh, I, his, about yeah.
0: his. It's, yeah, I know that it's it's ridiculous. And I also think too, I mean, the you know, I, I've had conversations with multiple people and this kind of public acting out or not public acting but this discussion of past trauma. How, uh, you know, and again, we're, you know, two men, we, we, you know, we have not much we can say here, but I think the fact is that it is an important moment. And, uh, you know, the statistics are, statistics, one, three women have experienced some kind of sexual assault and it's a, it's a horrific time. And I think for it to become politicized and for the insensitivity of particularly, you know, the old boys club who's running the show there in the Senate, uh it, it's not. It's not a great moment for us, but maybe it can bring about change.
1: Now, there's a piece I in Politico that I think is really worth reading. It's called "Brett Kavanaugh is lying, so are you." Whether it's 2018 or 1998, in American politics, truth is inseparable from politics. And it's by John Harris. It appeared October 2nd. Just the other day. And he says that he talks about sort of the Clinton hearings, the, right. the Clarence Thomas stuff, and how basically for, uh, you know, for Cl- Clinton basically did lie about some things, but they weren't major things kind of thing. And that, that, that was his argument. And most of America sort of bought it, right? And kind of went along well, with wait, it.
0: Well, he did get impeached.
1: Right, but that was his defense. <laughs> but that was his defense, and it, and it sort of was sustained. Right, this it's like, like it's been working for Hillary for years. For <laughs> Hillary for years. But he says yeah. he says that the question of truth and and lies in politics is further clouded by the reality that public debate, in my experience, often touches only glancingly at the kind of things people really think and argue in private. Many Kavanaugh supporters, reading between the lines, have a larger truth that goes something like this: Who knows for sure what happened? Probably something bad, but maybe not exactly like she remembers. Most people could not withstand an inquisition into decades old behavior. And in any event, Democrats don't really care about the truth. They care about beating him. Most Kavanaugh opponents have a larger truth that goes something like this. No serious person could doubt that Christine Ford was speaking the truth. We don't need to show that he is Harvey Weinstein to prove that he doesn't belong to the Supreme Court. It is precisely the instinct to look away from bad behavior that allows the Weinsteins and Matt Lowers to fester. The hearing made clear that that smug, entitled young man of 1982 has grown into the smug and entitled middle-aged man of 2018 in ways that go far in explaining his conservative worldview. Surely, there are some people who are immune to the phenomena, people whose notions of truth and virtue are so fixed that they hew to these values, even when they lead to a destination they don't prefer, but not too many in my experience. (laughs) I think that's, I mean, I think that that's, there's some insight there that, that oftentimes we have these sort of narratives that, and again, he's right. Most people, I, I think a lot of people think exactly like he just, right laid out and but again the people don't argue that way right but that and i think that that's sort of right uh you know part of the problem and i think what happens after this is that the, there's a reinforcement of those narratives rather than right. a sort of uh it, there's this piece that Simeon's all uh wrote somewhere and i think guilt delivers is a talk on put on their website but it was called. It's called hiding in plain sight. The lost doctrine of original sin. Right. And he was talking about how he thinks, on measure, it, it it's a much more compassionate and insightful approach to the human condition. Um, but I think that like it, it, the 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 awareness of our own sort of original sin in this context and say politics could lead to real self analysis and humility. You know, and looking at at the right. way you actually. You know, I was sitting as I was listening to this commentary podcast thinking, oh, yeah, why did I dismiss this? Or why didn't I hear that story? Right, why did- right. But then also with Original Sin, that can fuel whataboutism, right? Like, well, sure, our side does that, but what about this? You know, yeah. so, so I feel like that the, the whataboutism is sort of like gasoline on the fire of, of Original Sin. It sort of – it stokes the fire, right? right? And I mean that would be the tragedy if after this national sort of circus slash nightmare – that the
0: whataboutism just puts gasoline on the fire. No, yeah, that's exactly. What we were talking a little bit, you can, ca- you can, you can compare the moralism, you know, go back and listen to the tapes of the moralism around the Clinton hearings, you know, the Clinton and, you know, uh, particularly you can, you can just listen to, uh, Lindsey Graham. You can listen to <laughs> Lindsey Graham in the 1990s and you can listen to Lindsey Graham right now. And that kind of gives you a sense of how the, uh, morality police has kind of switched. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah instead of having a i mean instead of having a productive conversation about values or a you know an extensive conversation about the problem of sexual violence in this country um we we fall back into our, to like you said our, or whatever you want whether those those based narratives we listen to you know?
1: yeah which are generally self
0: justifying and
1: yeah and, nationalizing.
0: I, and i think as christians um you know any any tendency to self justify uh should have a sign, Grace Nullified, put over it. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's,
1: it's, it's a sort of – it's a form of unbelief. It is a form of unbelief, yeah.
0: yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I'm um, – you know, I, I do – I I think Senator mikowski Senator Flake uh, both showed a, a reasoned way and end up on two different uh, – in two different places on this. But, uh, yeah, there there weren't a lot of people who – the fact that even, you know, that no Republicans – you know the fact that it was such down party lines. There wasn't an opportunity for more reflection. I think that's that's kind of this, uh, one other indication of the tribal time we live in. Yeah. Yep. All right. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Hey, listeners. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of New Persuasive Words. Hope you enjoyed Scott and Bill's conversation. And will join us back here next time. Until then, thanks for listening, and God bless.